What's up, future changemakers? You're listening to Impact India, a podcast that deep dives into the epic stories of social entrepreneurs and social innovation in India. Impact India is sponsored by CauseArtist, your go-to social impact lifestyle online platform for all things social goodness around the world. And I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, social entrepreneur and director of content at CauseArtist. You can connect with me on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. All right, no stopping us now, full speed ahead. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Impact India. Today, I am chatting with Nidhi Loda of June. So Nidhi is a uh, copywriter by profession, but began to gravitate more towards working with textiles and colors. So after her short stint in advertising in Bombay, she returned home to Gujarat to specialize in working with Kuch handwork. This led her to launching June. Uh, So June is a homegrown brand reviving the crafts of Gujarat by making wearable art. And I absolutely love that sentence. Uh, Their team of female artisans play with hand-picked vintage and contemporary craft and use a ton of different varieties of of materials from old coins and mirrors to shells and Bharat handwork to create exceptional, unique clothing and accessory collections. Nithi, welcome to the show. I'm so honored to have you here. Thank you so much, Jan. So glad to be here. Absolutely. And I, I want you to dive more into this. How did you go from advertising to working in basically the fashion industry? Tell us more. Well, while growing up, I always though, had a lot of accessories because my mom is quite an accessory person. So I was always this person who had a lot of jewelry in her wardrobe and all my outfits were arranged according to that. So this always stayed with me and, you know, I didn't really pursue it. But then I, I was uh, in college. I had taken a journalism course from Xavier's. Then I went to MICA for advertising. And then I thought that, you know, the right way to go is to get a copyrighted job and struggle uh, absolutely in Bombay because it's the least paying industry to start with in a city, which is so expensive. But after like six months and, you know, I would never really enjoyed it so much. Uh, because I used to enjoy, I used to always see colors and graphics more than I was seeing words. And that made me, And I, because uh, I was brought up in Gujarat, Gujarat also has, it's very highly bent on craft. So I've always seen all of that. And, you know, I just, I, I got so frustrated that, you know, this is not something I want to do. And I'm a very uh, intuition-based person. So I decided to just come back uh, home and I just applied at a very uh, to random places whom I thought that you know have any uh, amount of craft that they're doing so I came across a designer and I applied to her she had no idea what I could do for her the least she thought was at least I'll fill in the attendance register for her stuff because I, I had no idea how that was going to turn out but I worked with her for one and a half two years and that's when I realized that this is something I lo- love and it comes very naturally to me. Like color combinations. And I would, like I close my eyes and I think of colors more than I think of anything else. So that's when I thought that this is, this, this change is what I need. And this change is here to stay. Like this is something I'm going to venture into completely and give it my all. So that's how I switched my field. That's awesome. And I think it's also, you know, it's super valuable, the fact that you have like an advertising and marketing background so that you can actually propel your brand forward as well. So you definitely have, you're, you're definitely dipping into two crucial buckets. It's like having that natural, that natural talent for, for curating pieces and then actually being able to market it. 
which I think is also one of the biggest uh, hurdles for a lot of startup brands. Like how the hell do I get my like messaging and my branding on point to really get that out there? Um, so that's, that's really, really awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's definitely a lot easier, uh, because you come from the field and you at least have the basic knowledge. It's not much experience to get there, but it's also very organic. It was very organic for me, honestly, like, you know, growing because I've never, uh, I've never really, it was all like, you have to design, you have to, uh, sell it, you have to market it, you have to communicate about it. You have to go get your, uh, materials, you know, you have to speak to your characters to so the whole, uh, the whole environment uh, made it a little difficult for me also to focus on marketing as much as I was from that field. Because uh, over the years, I've realized this, that, you know, there can be one creator and there can be one marketer. One person cannot do both things because it really messes with either of the outcomes. Yeah, I, I, to begin. I resonate with that a lot. I feel like if you have like, you know, you, you can't really work in your zone of genius when you're having to like spread your attention across so many different aspects of the business. So I, I definitely can reflect on that. Uh, well, like I, I've experienced that many times with Harder World, like having to take on yeah. so many aspects of the business that you're not really putting your, your all into one aspect of the business because you're spreading yourself thin. And especially when it comes to creativity, you know, your anything otherwise just kills, like it's hovering on your head, kills your creativity because creativity needs its own space to breathe, right? And you can't come up with anything interesting because you are so occupied with, oh my God, I haven't, uh, you know, had a post today or I had to do that little shoot today. And it's all you, 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 you know, there's nobody else with you when you begin. So that uh, part was a little uh, tricky for me initially. But now I do have a team, so I'm very happy. <laughs> That's awesome. So what does your team look like? Tell us a little bit about what everything looks like behind the scenes at you. So we have our three craft ladies who work with us. And uh, we have a small little workshop, which uh, we share with another friend. And uh, we, I have another brand with that friend of mine. So uh, she's like family to me. So we almost share also our staff in certain times because you know, she has something going on. And if I have something going on, our staff gets shared. But uh, we have, we had two interns before. And uh, we have another, uh, we have a couple of tailors, around five of them, with whom we work. And we have women who work from home. So these are the women who actually do a lot of work for us. Because we just do like sampling at the workshop. And uh, rest all the work, you know, we sample it enough and we send it out to women. Uh, at least like we have at least I think 50 women like that yes so that's how we segregate work and you know get things started and still have enough time to do sampling at our workshop yeah that's how we work awesome so how did you originally kind of cultivate your team so like you're working with female artisans um like is is it specific to Ahmedabad is it like a, a, a specific region uh, what, what's maybe the history of the artisans that you're working with so I'm going to start with how June started for this uh, when I was yes. working before, I used to create a lot of jewelry and, you know, like small pieces as well, along with other embroidery uh, stuff. So we had one of the fem- uh, you know, with a, one of the women workers who was working with us there. And she was the one who understood me like very well. Like, you know, anything I would tell her and she would get it that this is what I want. So I left that place and uh, I was... Uh, I was trying to look for a job and I was thinking what I should do. So I'd gone to take a trip to Dubai to my cousin. And I happened to stumble upon some Afghan jewelry. 
So I picked up a few pieces and uh, I had done a little stint with my brother. So, you know, he gave me some money and I was like, oh my God, this is so great. I'm going to buy stuff with my own money because uh, to start a business. So I came back and I went to this career of mine. She had stopped working there by then. And I told her that I want to create a few pieces. And uh, so I created like say six pieces. And there was this cafe at that time where I used to hang out all day, like all day, all night. Uh, with a couple of friends and I showed it to her and she said you know there's an exhibition coming in Ahmedabad why don't you go send sell your stuff there and there were like four days left to that and I said I don't think so I, I mean I just made it for myself and my friends this was nothing to do with actual business that I'm thinking of because I was looking for a job honestly and uh, so I you know I managed to make 11 pieces by like a Friday and then I had a little bag went to the exhibition I had no stall. I knew nobody. So I saw a stall which looks like, you know, their clothing apparel would go along with my jewelry. And I happened to walk down to her and she saw me wearing something. She's like, oh my God, it's lovely. You know, I really like it. I said, thank you. This is what I want to sell on your stall. And she was... That's amazing. She looked hysterical. <laughs> I was just made 11 pieces you know I'm ready to share on commission I you know a friend told me that you should try this out this is something great and uh, I had a little spot on and she's a lovely lady she's a very dear friend of mine and I had a little spot near her stall like she had some shoes also she was selling and I had my jewelry of 11 pieces and I sold most of them and uh, they weren't cheap honestly I did not sell them cheap because I knew what it took, like the hard work it took for me uh, to get them out. I, that time I thought, you know, this is something I could do. And so that Karagar, uh, coming back to that, that particular artisan of mine, she stays really far. And initially for the first five months, I did not have a workshop. I did not have anything because I didn't really know if it's going to work, right? So I used to go to her house at 5.30 in the morning to start my day because she had started a job elsewhere. So from 5.30 to 9.30, she would work with me. Then she would go to her job. And during the daytime, I would work with her daughter, who also knew stuff. And I would actually go back home at like 9 or 10 in the night. And this was my schedule for the next few days. So I, so this artisan was so attached to me. And we've been together for now for seven years or more, you know. So through That's her, awesome. we found more artisans and, you know, in her locality, we taught other people also and how you can work, this is what I want. So it just really worked out because you have to have that one women artisan that you can teach. But yes, the other artisans, uh, I had to absolutely teach from scratch because, you know, uh, jewelry, like people know how to stitch, how to do embroidery, but jewelry is different, right? Like you need to be taught certain things and how it needs to be done. So that process uh, takes at least like two to three months uh, from my side to teach them that, you know, this is how I want it and this is how it needs to be done because it's different and they've not, nobody has really done it before. That's the deal with it. Yeah, that's yeah. really inspiring. Good for you. That, like you just, you boldly walked up to someone and was like, I'm going to sell my jewelry here. Yeah, that's oh my awesome. God, yeah. That's awesome. That takes a lot of courage. And I, you've also put, uh, you know, you, you mentioned something around like, you know, I didn't sell my, my items for cheap. You know, I know the value of my work. I think that is such an important statement. And I hope that that really rings in the ears of, you know, entrepreneurs that are listening. Because I often find that people, uh, that entrepreneurs, it can be really hard to match the value of your work to a price point. Because 
obviously, you know, the mainstream consumer is not necessarily, uh, you know, looking always for quality. You know, they're usually putting price first. And I think, you know, you know, putting the price valued at, you know, what you believe your work is worth. And then also having the why, like, you know, telling the stories behind each piece, connecting it to the people that are actually, you know, part of your team and who bring it alive. Like, I think that's really, really beautiful. Um, And I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you mentioned that, like, in the beginning of your journey. Like, you were able to hone in on the fact that, like, I know how much time I put into this. Like, there's no way I'm just giving things away. So kudos <laughs> to that, for sure. Um, that's really, really cool. And from my understanding, you guys are also working with a lot of textile waste. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we came across a lot. Of, so, I love Gujarati textiles. I love the work that Kutch women do, and they've been doing for years. And I obsess over it, honestly. Because uh, I, I can't imagine the color combinations they used to choose during those times. I mean, people right now, great designers also can't create such combinations out of nothing that they had. So huge respect for them. And, you know, uh, so what started happening was uh, this, the Kutch women essentially used to make uh, stuff for their uh, daughters who, when being uh, married, were given, you know, like something like a torrent for the doors and for the rooms and all the khagras and the skirts. So that's actually why they were doing all of this. And intense work so that uh, it showed that, you know, it shows their love, it shows the craft, because it's a very craft-based community, uh, the Kutch people and the Rabari people and all of that. So what happened off late was uh, people were starting to rip off these, you know, small patches of work and they were trying to sell it because it wasn't any use of that for them. And they had to make money and everything. And also because it started gaining so much popularity. So the market was flooded with such patches and, you know, everything and something is torn somewhere. Even if there are 10 mirrors missing uh, from the entire lace, people were just picking it up and, you know, just putting it here and there. So I decided that, you know, I need to make something which is, which, you know, highlights the craft work more than just putting it on a piece, like, you know, on a piece of cloth, because it's the garment, it's not the craft work eventually. So then I started making this jewelry by using these scraps and, you know, trying to highlight the craft and adding some Afghani, adding some little bit of coins and more color to it to represent more of India and more of myself, honestly. Uh, yeah. So, and it's so much fun working with them. It's very difficult as well because uh, it's a little hard and, you know, you can't find the same piece again. So that, uh, so it became in terms of business, if you see, uh, only. Not being able to repeat another piece is always a task. And yeah, I do sure. face that. But every time every time I see a customer saying, oh my God, I'm the only one who owns this piece and I love it. I mean, it, 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 it just justifies that I make a single piece and I'm okay about it. Yeah, 100%. I've never really understood the idea of like, wanting something that like four million people also have <laughs> you know like there's the, yeah. the storyline that the connection to that piece becomes you know it, it it doesn't become as impactful which i which is obviously you know why fast fashion has become so throwaway because it's so easy to pick and buy something and then like you know throw it throw it away or never wear it again after like two weeks because we haven't built a connection uh, with the it's item. terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. So I think that's really, really beautiful. Correct, correct. And I also understand, so you also are very, very passionate about wildlife conservation and have integrated this into your project. Um, so how have you gone about doing that? 
so uh coming like you know during the lockdown i had to come up with something which had a uh, few interests that uh i have been working on in play so i am very passionate about uh, elephants i love elephants and uh, uh i went to africa two years back and on the wildlife safari of course and oh my god i think that was the best time i had ever and i always talk about it so passionately but deep down inside i always felt that i'm not doing enough even though i am so passionate towards it and even though i care so much so during this lockdown i had some time by myself and some scraps of cloth as well and i thought what can i do to generate money uh for uh, the animals and how can i do it so i had been uh, you know reading a lot about uh, different conservation societies in the country i you know the kind of work they've been doing one that stood out for me was wildlife sos and i actually wanted to volunteer with them uh, during this year but of course can't anymore so i got in touch with them and i asked them that there is a project that i'm thinking will you be guys uh, you know will you be uh, interested to us be associated with me so to which they agreed so then i created this thing called the crunchy project so basically uh, these are crunchies that we make out of waste crunchies are hair ties and these are made by women tailors right so there are a lot of women embroiderers in everybody but very few women tailors and during these times when everybody is struggling so hard i just wanted to make sure that you know i have something more to give to them because the regular market is not really working and we have so much scrap available like you know even if it's a half a meter cloth you can't make a garment out of half a meter cloth so that will probably make me four crunchies if i have to so i started making these crunchies with the only aim of targeting three things and uh, that is donating money to wildlife sos and we are working on a current project uh, of say no to ride elephants so they are rescuing elephants from uh, these priests that you know uh, ride them along the city from amir fort and you know other fort places where they used to you know uh, take tourists uh, from one place to another and paint the elephants so we are working so they are working on that and we are working towards providing them more donation uh, for the same and uh, then the other part is to use the scraps because all of this is only going to uh, land up uh, filling the landfill and giving more women uh, work so that's how we came up with it and the best part is that you get a product after you know uh, donating which for us is a souvenir of their love and the fact that whenever they see it or somebody else sees it they're going to probably ask about it and there goes you know a word of mouth marketing for the cause so that's how we came up with this project and uh, it has been going well we've already raised we've already had some 10 orders and we are very ecstatic about it because it's pure organically <laughs> done yay i know and we are working on you know creating more videos and you know generating more content so that that can be spread across to people and everybody and i'm so glad i'm talking about this on this platform so that probably more people will hear about it and you know come Absolutely. back to us and want a scrunchie for themselves <laughs> Absolutely. You know, as someone who works in the tourism industry, like I'm really grateful that there is more campaigns popping up around saying no to riding elephants because the mistreatment of of these babies is just awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh my god. And 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 we've all been miseducated about it as well. Like, you know, I always admit to people when I first came to India in 2014, I was young. I, you know, had only traveled so many times and 
I was that person who rode an elephant at Amberfort. And immediately when I got on the elephant, I was like, this is so wrong. Like I'm sitting up there Correct. above the entire crowd watching elephants go back and forth. And I'm like, there's no way anything about this could be ethical. And, and you know, that was kind of the year where, you know, wildlife tourism started to get, kind of get more and more questioned because it's also quite popular in Southeast Asia, specifically in Thailand. Um, and so I tigers and everybody. Oh God, it's awful. Like even honestly, even tiger safaris in India are really questionable. Like Ranbambur and, you know, the, just the way that they're constantly being, we're constantly interrupting their way of life. You know, like I, I just, I, it, it kind of drives me a little bit mental because like we have built our societies on, you know, wildlife land and, 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 and cons yes, conservation yes, land. Yes. And yet we're the ones who are constantly finding other ways to exploit animals when, uh, you know, really like, like we're the assholes, like we don't even realize. And then we get upset when like, you know, leopards are, you know, come into Chandigarh or something like that, you know, and, and everyone's going crazy. And it's like, well, we have to remember that this is their land. Like we are all yeah, residents are good of this land. Exactly. I, I, absolutely agree. I think honestly, I'm going to sound very harsh, but humans don't deserve to live on earth the way we are going around things. We are the worst species that can happen to earth. <laughs> I, I don't no, disagree I with you. Don't worry. I, I really, like, I think that's accurate. <laughs> I, I get I really upset with humanity. Terrible, yeah, I saw a terrible and very deeply disturbing video. It was a cobra and it was choking. And someone happened to see it. So they got them to the rescue center, to the vet. And, you know, he was. you won't believe what the cobra was choking on. He was choking on a beach uh, towel. An entire huge beach towel got, came out of his mouth. Wait, a what? A, be a beach what? A beach towel. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like, oh my it God. Terrible. I said, how, how do we end up doing this? It's, and, you know, all these even elephants across. Uh, I was seeing a video. I see a lot of these videos. It's disturbing, but I have to see them. So, uh, you know, they put nails. And most of the times, if they want to kill the elephant, they'll, uh, they'll put rusted nails inside the elephant's feet so that they get gangrene and they die. Oh, God. I just, like, oh, I feel like I get really emotional talking about this because it's, I just don't understand what part of uh, the, the human brain, the human psyche that, that thinks to harm other species. Yeah, yeah. You know, why? What have they done to us? Um, exactly. Exactly. Also, messing around with wildlife, like you know, that's going to link to uh, you know a chain of you know negative reactions, uh, like across you know, across the you know the wildlife kingdom. We have no idea how a small action today could impact a species in five to ten years from now. Definitely, definitely. That's why I thought of starting this project and I thought that, you know, it has to be something constant on my website so that I, I have decided that, you know, I'll always come up with animal protection donations in any manner that is possible because it's the least thing that is being talked about amongst yeah. people like us. And we are very educated. We know what's happening. Like you said, it kills you to hear about it as well. We all are the same. But we're just not able to do something because there's nothing in return that we are getting honestly this is the kind of uh, feedback mm. that I came across that 
you know so what are we going to get after making it is just oh acha we're happy so i said yeah you're happy but you know you got to do that so what next so then i thought that it has to be a product that is going back to them that is making them feel uh, you know it's like an entitlement thing you do something yeah. you get something back yeah i feel like that's a you know i mean humanity is very selfish you know that's you yeah. know that's that's how we've survived over you know millions of years of evolution really uh is the fact yeah, that we have true. constantly put our species first um however i do think it's you know it is important that you know we play on that in ensuring that you know money and attention is going into the right causes so you know if it's you know and in the fact that you're able to kind of you know utilize scraps as well to create these countries and provide you know a value piece to people so that they can always remember that they did give they did provide they they did contribute to something that is you know good in this world i think is is also you know an important way for people to remember that they don't also always need recognition for the good work that they do you know yeah, yeah. but we we missed that a lot <laughs> we do we do and you know i decided that it has to be a very transparent system so and uh, even like you know uh, like during while running this project some people came and told me that you know this uh, sounds a little expensive to us for a piece of hair tie and i said that you know i'm trying to make a donation here i'm not really selling your hair tie yeah so yeah. <laughs> so it, you know i can't make a, a 50 rupee donation to them and you know it's not going to make a difference and you know it's just it's so uh, appalling sometimes that people are ready to buy at h&m then forever for like a 300 rupee crunchy and here where we are supporting a cause they have to think 10 times about it it uh, it really saddens me to think that uh, how gullible are these people that yeah. they think that h&m and you know all these people are actually doing the good and we are expensive and, and i think that resonates with all the small uh, brands that we all are that uh, you know they just find it so expensive because they are not mass producing anything yeah i think and, it's crazy how even at this point in, in in all the education that's available about fast fashion and what's happening in the fashion industry people still choose to be ignorant to the yeah. the reality the reality of the situation um yeah. and you know i think and i think that's where storytelling you know really comes in and that's like you know that's really one of the whys of this podcast is like diving into people's stories so that people can really start to see the the efforts and the passion and the love and the and 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 the actual human people that are behind the production line who are you know bringing goodness to you know multiple industries not just the fashion industry but that there are you know real people with real lives and real families and real needs uh that are creating correct, correct. these pieces and need to be compensated for their work and nurtured so that they can live a comfortable lifestyle yeah but <laughs> it's just i'm glad you are so aware about this but it's just a difficult task to get people to know about it yeah and and, and that's the thing more we have to be patient considerate Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And and on that note actually, like I'm curious, so you know, you know, COVID-19 has come in and changed up the whole game. You know, what has, you know, your process looked like or maybe how have you shifted to kind of keep up with, you know, you know, the changing, you know, needs of consumers or, you know, ensuring that you're still able to um, you know, provide salaries to your team. You know, what does that look like to, uh, behind the scenes? So 
so what i did was i uh, i decided to get as many more orders of course as i could and start rolling them because the workshop had been closed so i'm personally going to all the artisans place providing them with the materials since uh, you know mine is like if i have to even make a small piece of earring it at least requires five different elements so i have to go to the workshop even so one piece has to be there for four hours to figure out all the elements that are required and to find them and you know to put them together and to go give it to them but this this drill i'm only doing because it's very important for them to run a house mm-hmm. and whatever i can get the orders out uh, there is like i'll do anything to make that going then even uh, this whole crunchy campaign is another way of providing more work to them whatever work is possible i'm trying to provide so that you know because they do come and tell us that oh we don't have money to eat and everything so of course you're giving your advances and you're giving the salaries and you're doing all of that but it's not going to sustain you nor is it going to sustain the system eventually because it has to like you know something more needs to be done so i had a lot of time of course at home during the lockdown and there were a lot of these craft activities that i thought i wanted to explore since a while so i did all of that and right now i'm planning on an entire new range that can come up uh, for the website and create like you know different try different products so that we need to uh, have more products we need to spread our wings more so that ev- anyone who comes on your website has something to buy and you don't lose out on that customer who is there for 20 seconds so that's you know that's the kind of work i'm doing like i'm trying to work in all directions i'm trying to do some eco dyeing i'm trying to make some soap i'm i'm trying i'm trying to do everything that's possible right now and make more jewelry make more statement jewelry i'm collaborating with different designers so that we can create a collection so there's a lot of cross uh, advertising that's going to happen for us so just anything and everything that can be done to you know keep us going yeah that's beautiful i'm glad to hear that you're motivated and you know finding new opportunities to expand operations during this time because Uh, I think, you know, every, every day, you know, the, the status kind of shifts. So we're experiencing yeah, yeah. these daily changes and, you know, keeping up with, you know, what's happening in the market and consumer demand and consumer needs, because right now it's, you know, it's very based on essentials. You know, how can we meet the needs of consumers and still make sure that things are aligned with, you know, our ethical values, the work that we're doing in the world, making sure that our teams are, you know, eating and thriving, um, I think is really important. So. Uh, that's really beautiful to hear. I hope I hope other people are inspired by that because I know many many entrepreneurs have been struggling to think of how to kind of pivot, um, but make sure that it's still aligned with their values because you know that's usually the biggest yeah, the biggest yeah. struggle. For sure. This uh, this lockdown really you know got me. So I've always been trying. I've trying. I've uh, been trying to you know be very sustainable since the past few years because I really thought that this is something I want to work on, and I decided not to shop for nine months straight. not at all even though i go to all these exhibitions and i love huh? everything yeah. but it was a struggle and i was consciously doing it for, and i used to write down a diary every day just to realize that i how far i've come and how important it is that i'm not really shopping even like basic basic essentials so during those times i recycled so many of my garments i'm a very white person so i had so many of the whites which had faded i recycled them i upcycled them and i wore them and it made me really happy to and it started aligning uh, like my life was finally aligning to what june actually believes in mm. and what june is and you know trying to so that just made more sense and during this lockdown it just hit me that this is something that i really want to do and 
how I want to do it needs to be worked upon. But with that realization, just made me so comfortable in my skin that I'm okay to even talk about it. That this garment is upcycled because you know you, the kind of circle you hang out in, and they're like, "Oh my God, where did you get that from?" And I'm like, you know, I made it. So that shift was very important for me mm, personally. Absolutely. absolutely. Oh, there must be so much joy in being able to say, like, I made this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, well, thank you so, so much for coming onto the podcast today. I, and obviously, before we, before we kind of sign off, you know, where can our listeners find you online? You know, where's the best place to get in touch with you? So we have a website. It's uh, www.studiojune.in. Do log on to it. You'll find a lot of things colorful. <laughs> absolutely everything colorful actually and uh, handmade from scratch we believe in uh, finesse and that is one of our qualities that has always stayed with us since the very beginning and people come back to us for that and you will find the crunchy project as well please share and uh, yeah would love anything that is coming from uh, impact india yeah Awesome. So for our listeners, I will put all the links to the website, social media, uh, so you can connect with Nidhi and June um, wherever you'd like to. So those will be in the show notes. Uh, Nidhi, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's such a pleasure chatting with you. And I know that we're going to have like a full other discussion offline uh, because there's so much for us to dive into. <laughs> so this is been waiting so awesome. for that. Waiting for Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it's been lovely. I had a lovely chat with you. And it's so great. I love your energy and I love what you guys are doing with Hara World, with Scott Artists and everything. And I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're definitely like supposed to be part of our community. All the things that you're doing are wonderful. And I'm really excited to, to help kind of elevate your story. Yes. Well. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. <laughs> thank you, Jazz. See you. Bye-bye. Feeling inspired? See what other impact stories we have to share over on causeartist.com. Be sure to subscribe for weekly updates from Grant and I about content, giveaways, and new episodes from Disruptors for Good and Impact India. Looking to learn more about social impact and conscious living in India? Hit me up on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. Cheers, friends!